finish with this uh, story. Uh, we go to China from time to time, and, and uh, uh, we train leaders. And this time, we brought up 22 leaders from the Hunan province, and they rode 13 hours on a train to get to a hotel that they came up two by two in these elevators as, so as to not draw any attention. And then they got to a hotel room, a little apartment uh, room. It's only about 700 square feet in the little living room, no air conditioning, hardwood floor, 22 sat there. I came in, and when you teach in China, you start at 8 in the morning, and you don't get done till 5 at night. You teach the whole day. They were sitting there, all 22 of them, and I looked around, and I said, now, if we get caught, what will happen to me? They said, oh, you'll get deported in 24 hours, and we'll go to prison for three years. I said, you're kidding. How many of you have been in prison for your faith? Out of 22, 18 raised their hand. Uh, no way. I looked at him and I said, you, you 22 people, how many people do you oversee? Because they were all of these small group leaders, underground church leaders in the Hunan province. I said, how many, if you counted up all the people under your jurisdiction, how many would it be? And they counted them up and they said, little over 20 million. I said, what? See, we forget there's 1.3 billion people in China. This is crazy. Well, I had 15 Bibles, and I passed them out. Obviously, seven didn't get them. And I said, let's turn to 2 Peter chapter 1, and we're going to read it. And just then, one lady handed hers to somebody next to her. And I thought, hmm, interesting. Well, we turned there anyway, and as we started reading it, I understood why she gave it away. She had memorized the whole thing. She just recited the whole chapter. When it was done, I went over to her at a break, and I said, you... You, you recited the whole chapter. She says, oh, yes, I've memorized many chapters. I said, where did you memorize many chapters? She said, in prison. I said, you have much time in prison. <laughs> so I said, but don't they confiscate the Bible? And she said, yes. So people bring in scriptures written on pieces of paper, and they bring it in. So I said, but then if they find that piece of paper on you, won't they confiscate that? She said, oh, yes, that's why you memorize it as fast as you can. Because even though they can take the paper away, they can't take what's hidden in your heart. I thought, wow. Well, after three days, you fall in love with these people. And when it was done, I said, how can I pray for you? I'm going to go back to America. You guys have been just so wonderful. How can I pray for you? They said, you know, Wayne, you guys can gather like this whenever you want to in America. We can't. Could you pray that one day we'll be just like you? And I looked at him and I said, I will not do that. Big, incredulous eyes looked at me and I said, why? <laughs> I said, because you guys rode a train for 13 hours to get here. In my country, if you've got to drive more than an hour, people don't come. You sat on a wooden floor for three days. In my country, if people have to sit more than 40 minutes, they leave. You sat not only here for three days on a hard wooden floor, but you did it without air conditioning. In my country, if it's not padded pews and air conditioning, people don't often come back. In my country, we have an average of two Bibles per family. We don't read any of them. You hardly have any Bibles, and you memorize them on pieces yes. of paper. 
I will not pray that we become like uh, you become like us, but I will pray that we become just like you. It's powerful when you think about the Word of God. And, you know, we had heard that this past week, and I was just challenged and encouraged because in our whimsical, flimsy attitude, you know, we say that we're a biblical community. But are we truly a biblical community? Do the people around us know that we are a biblical community? And when we say a Bible decree, are we just so used to hearing You know, this Bible decree at our church, have we just taken for granted? And when I heard that, I thought that is truly the first step of understanding that there is power, power, wonder, working power in the blood of the Lamb and in the Word of God. When we say things like, this is my Bible. This is God's holy Word. I will make it a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. I will hide its words in my heart that I might not sin against God. That I might not sin against God. That I will use it not just as a light, not just as a flashlight, but I will use it like a sword in the battle. Because I have hid his word in my heart. It isn't just a poetic psalm, or it isn't just a proverb. It is that I have taken God's Word, and I have made it what it is. And when the enemy comes against me, I will use it with all power, and I will use it with all authority. And I will say, get behind me, Satan, for thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and only him shalt thou serve. We have victory over the enemy. We have victory over word curses. We have victory over witchcraft. We have victory over Satan. We have victory over addiction. We have victory over habits. We have victory over what people will say or do against us. You know why? Because we have the greatest sword of all, and it's the Word of God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So breaking free from the strongholds of your past, we can't do it. I wrote it in my Bible when I was just a teenager, and I wrote in there, stop the bloodline curses. Stop the generational, the ancestral sins that have been placed upon me from my ancestors. And we've said, Pastor, but what does that really look like? Yeah, I come up here with passion because this has solely been my calling in the ministry for 30 years. And I know who my opponent is. I know that Satan is against me, but oh, how I know that God is for me. And that I'm claiming that today. Say this with me. If we understood our position, it would change our condition. Interesting, isn't it? It's your time, church. Believe it. It's your time. And we are now in a time and an era and in a place 
where Satan has strongholds in our life because he's out to seek, kill, destroy, take the very life and breath out of our life. All of this is startling, but true. The decisions we make today don't simply affect ourselves. They affect our children and our children's children for multiplied generations. And the Bible talks about how the iniquity of the fathers can be passed down from three and four generations. That means bad habits. That means addictions. That means negativity, wrong mindsets, and other types of iniquities can be passed down. I love what it says in Exodus chapter 20, verse 5. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. You can follow with me on the screen or use your electronic device. For here's what it says. For I, the Lord, your God. Man, he made it personal right there. For I, the Lord... King of kings, Lord of lords, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning, the end, the most powerful. He is God. Jehovah God. Am a jealous God. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and to the fourth generations to those who hate me. Wow. Listen, church, you're not in a class all your own. You're not in a class all your own. You think sometimes you're the only person that he's after? If he's after God the Father, he's after you. We have to understand our position in order to change our condition. Perhaps you're struggling in certain areas right now because... People who came before you made poor choices. And many times you can look back and see the results of those choices somewhere in your family line. However, it is very, very important that we recognize what has happened and that we not passively accept these negative patterns. Well, this is just the way I am. This poverty, this sickness. Yeah, it's been in my family for years. No, no, you need to rise up and do something about it. It may have been there for years, but the good news is it doesn't have to stay there for another minute, for another hour, for another 10 years. It needs to be gone. You can be the one to put a stop to it. You can be the one to choose the blessing and not the curse. A recent research seeks to identify specific genes and determine how genes for traits such as addiction or eating disorders, even depression, are passed down. The researchers can see definite patterns, but they cannot conclusively determine that whether the cause is genetic, environmental, or hereditary, or some combination of those factors. Certainly, all of those things can be factors. But I believe the root cause is spiritual. I believe the root cause 
is spiritual. So church, today we have to choose the blessing and not the curse. Would you agree with me? Choose the blessing and not the curse. Let's have a word of prayer. God, we ask that right now, in the name of Jesus, that, Lord, you'll speak through me. Allow what needs to be said today, Lord. Let us claim it as a body of believers, as a body of Christ, Lord, to proclaim the gospel, the good news. And, Father, let us run in victory. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired of what the enemy does, what Satan does, what his demons do. Lord, we need to really preach more and more about this in our churches so that people can feel freedom and run in victory and not just have a flowering service or a sermon that just candy coats everything. So, Lord, help me to be able to be direct. And, Lord, help people to learn how to pray, pray for their loved ones, and to have freedom as they walk and as they run and as they leap for the cause of Christ. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. So, what... Is iniquity now I'm going to have you follow with me this morning and I'm going to cover some information and we have a lot to cover in four weeks But if it's not four weeks, I can make a five or six weeks. We'll do whatever the Lord has for us, right? So what is iniquity? You notice on the screen. It is just this now think about this. It is a gross injustice or wickedness a violation of right or duty it is a wicked act or sin. Leave that up there just for a minute. A gross injustice, a wickedness, a violation of right or duty, it's a wicked act or a sin. Psalm 66, verse 18, it says this. In 66, verse 18, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. He also says, but verily God hath heard me, in verse 19, but certainly God has heard me. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. And then he concludes with, blessed be God who has not turned away my prayer, nor his mercy from me. Blessed be the God which has not turned away my prayer, nor his mercy for me. We have to understand that just as the strong physical characteristics can be inherited, the negative things in our families, bloodline will continue from generation to generation until somebody rises up and puts a stop to it, right? For example, when Adam and Eve disobeyed God, that decision didn't just affect them. It affected their children. Do you know who the first murderer was in the Bible It was Cain The first murderer in the Bible was Cain The second murderer was one of Cain's descendants A man by the name of Lamech You see, that iniquity Kept getting passed down through generation of Cain's offspring It was in their family line Are you with me this morning? Okay, amen Similarly, many of the things we struggle with today may be traced to somebody in our family line who gave into it. And now we have to deal with it, right? We shouldn't use that as an excuse or rationalization for continuing that pattern. But we must recognize, we must recognize what has happened. 
and we need to be more determined than ever that we're going to be the ones to put a stop to it. We have to put a stop to it. There was a beautiful young woman. She struggled with anorexia. She explained how her mother had succumbed to it. Several of her aunts had it and several cousins. And that one sickness was tearing this family apart. You see, that just wasn't coincidental. That's a negative, destructive spirit that keeps getting passed down from generation to generation. And this young lady had to make a choice to live under the blessing and not the curse. She had a choice. Say this with me. You have a choice. She realized it was a spiritual battle. So she took authority over the issue in the mighty and powerful and wonderful name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. She broke free from the bondage that she inherited. Pastor, that seems somewhat simple. There's a lot of faith that goes into our practice as Christians. Many of us come to church and we leave it up to the pastor to be productive in regard to what abilities and giftings that we have. But each and every one of us have several different giftings and abilities. We're, we're dealing with that this morning in class. Many of you might know this, but Jerry and Lynn have a gift, and they're using their gifting of deliverance in this ministry. I'm bringing this out publicly because many of you that have walked through it, worked through it, gone through the process, you understand there's freedom through Jesus Christ. And yet, this isn't something we discuss in the pulpit. We don't preach and walk around saying, today, you're going to be delivered, you're going to be delivered, that one's delivered, everybody's delivered. You know, I mean, we're not going to do that. And, and the seriousness of it is just this, that you have to be ready and prepared to move forward. It's funny because as I woke up this morning, I was praying over myself. I thought, you know, who's going to be there? Who's not going to be there? Who's, who's going to, to be here to understand the, the seriousness of this, this message? Isn't it funny how Satan will keep people home? Circumstances will keep people at home? So that they don't understand what true freedom in Jesus Christ looks like. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be what? Born again, he cannot enter, see, inherit the kingdom of God. Interesting. We need to be changed. We need to be free. So here's what I want you to do. Examine the areas in your life where you constantly struggle. In the areas where it seems as though something is trying to drag your family down. Maybe it's a pattern of divorce. Maybe it's a pattern of poverty. Maybe it's a pattern of addiction or abuse or depression. Maybe it's a pattern of even sickness. Start today and break the curse. There was a young man who, who came into my office and, you know, his dad had actually contacted me and he said, hey, I need to talk to you about something. And I said, sure, what is it? 
Then he said, well, my son has been dealing with depression. He's been dealing with anxiety. He's been dealing with fear. And he's got all of this stuff that he's truly been working through. And it's very, very difficult for him in his, in his life. He's a Christian and he knows the Lord, but we don't know how to get over something. So I said, have him come in. And the, one of the gifts that I have is discernment. So I discerned the spirit. When he came in, I looked at him. I said, what are you on? I said, are you on a form of volume? He said, yes, I can't live without it. I said, well, right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, I bind that from your life. You are delivered right now. And to declare in your life that you no, no longer have to take that drug ever again. Well, I followed up with, with that young man. And he actually does stuff for uh, a movie company out west. And uh, I ended up following up with dad. And then I also followed up with him and come to find out that he was free from that. He was free from it, but understanding blood line curse understood generational curses that were on his life come to find out mom was on it grandmom was on it great grandmommy was on it everybody was on it so he was on it it just became the same type of pattern over and over again well i want you to know that there is freedom and i'll say it over and over and over because the the master of lies this the the thief will continue to tell you you can't live without it Listen, I sometimes tell myself I can't live without soda. I know that sounds something to you, but this past week I've been practicing not living without soda. Now, I love sugar, and sugar loves me. Right. I'm thinking it does. Right? So it's always funny because we've allowed and we've talked to ourselves and we've communicated with ourselves and we've told ourselves what is good and different and, you know, hey, we need this. We need this. We need this. Well, you don't need it. You need freed from it. And let me tell you something, church. You have to make the choice whether you will receive the blessing and not the curse. If the negative patterns exist in your family line, recognize what's happening and do something about it. Don't just keep passing it down. The pattern may not have been initiated from any horrible wrong that was done. Sometimes these things are a result of somebody opening the door to the enemy. Mm-hmm. Now say this with me. Tell us a little bit more about that, Pastor. Okay, I will. All right. Perhaps one of your ancestors opened the door to feet, opened the door to anxiety, opened the door to worry, or even everyone else has picked up on it for years. Regardless of how the negative pattern began, you can be the one to stop it. Now, let me show you. I, I give this illustration often. Okay, so we have a door, right? So I have a patio enclosure. I, I, I love this this sitting area at my place. It has three screen doors, right? If I choose, I can open up all the doors to my patio enclosure. I can hang out in there. And as I hang out in that room and I open up all the doors and it was open all day, I'm going to start noticing some things. I'm going to start noticing some intruders have taken place and residence in my patio enclosure. Now, did I open the door for those intruders? Yeah, this is group participation. Did I open up the door for those intruders? Okay, good. So we open it. And then before long, I'm sitting there, and I, I'm like this. I'm writing, or I'm typing, 
or I'm thinking or I'm reading and I hear in my ear So I swat it and I kill it. And before long, I'm sitting there and I feel something crawling up my, my arm. Mm-mm, ain't nobody got time for that one. Mm, no. So I swat and I kill it. What am I doing? I've opened up all of this just innocently. However, we open up doors purposefully. And we don't understand That when you open up a door, that now you're opening up intruders, you're opening up influence, you're opening up things in your life. Pastor, I need you to be a little bit more detailed with that. Okay, I will. When you don't understand that your dad or your mom had an alcoholic problem and you want to keep telling yourself it's okay to take just one drink, that one drink will lead to five drinks, to ten drinks, to 32 drinks. Do I hear an amen up in there? When your granddad or your dad or your grandfather had an issue with pornography and you decide to take just a little peek, that little peek becomes bigger and greater and greater and greater. Do you know how I know that? Because that was me. I know that. I know what my dad did. I know what my grandfather... Listen, there were adulterers in my family all the way back to my grandpappy. That's just the way it is. And if I don't identify and if I don't talk about it, then there's no freedom in it. The Bible says, confess your faults one to another so that you may be healed. And I know it's in there, but we don't have to go there right now, Jay. However, getting a little ahead of myself. But if we allow that to come into our life, then we need to learn to say this. Stop it. And how do we do that? We need to say stop it and pull down those strongholds. So let me show you. Strongholds were points which were hard to defeat. They were walls. An army had a difficult time defeating and penetrating that wall. Spiritual strongholds are represented in Scripture in the same way as physical ones. They are points of operation where attacks are waged on outlaying outlaying areas. They become points of offensive operations, which are hard to remove unless, unless serious effort is made to remove them. Spiritually speaking, Paul defines strongholds, and you could see this if you're writing it down, as an argument or high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. A stronghold is a point of operation from where Satan can keep the unbeliever captive or the believer incapacitated. You have that? Leave it up there for just a minute so they can write it down. Satan can keep the unbeliever captive or the believer incapacitated. So here's what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. It says this. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down in strongholds. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Let me just read verse 5 again. Casting down arguments... And have everything that exalts, every high thing 
that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So you're asking the question, what can I learn from this part or this portion of Scripture? One, the battle's not physical. The battle is not physical. Two, our weapons are not physical. Our weapons are not physical. Number three, our weapons are able to pull down strongholds, arguments, and high things. Meditate on that a minute. Our weapons are able to pull down strongholds, arguments, and high things. The war is that which exalts against the knowledge of God. The word. Anything that comes against the knowledge of God. And now last, victory is achieved by bringing every thought into captivity in obedience of Christ. Victory is achieved by bringing every thought into captivity in obedience of Christ. Jesus gets baptized. He goes into the wilderness. And immediately, he's tempted by Satan. Immediately, he makes this outward profession of this inward confession, the Holy Spirit descends upon him like a dove. He gets up. He says, I'm going to go fast. And in those moments of quiet solitude, he finds himself being tempted. Satan jumps up. And he says, listen, listen what I could do for you. Listen, I can give you all these things. Listen, all of this is yours. Do you understand that I can give you All of the bread you want, all of the manna you need, everything is yours. If you'll just bow your knee to me, if you'll just open up a door, if you'll just surrender. Now, I love what Jesus did. Right then he said, what? What are you talking about? I didn't ask you. I didn't open up a door for you to come in here. So guess what? I'm taking authority over you, and I'm kicking your butt out of here. So get behind me, Satan, for thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and only him shalt thou serve. Boom. Satan was gone. Oh, but Satan didn't leave him alone. Satan kept coming around, coming around, coming around, coming around, coming around. See, that's what he does to us. Oh, he taunts us. Oh, he haunts us. Oh, you have to stop sometimes and and jump up out of bed and say, where you at? Where are you hiding? You know, listen, when my kids woke up and said, Daddy, I'm scared. You know what I do? Why are you scared, hunt? Don't you worry. Fear does not come from Jesus. It comes from the enemy. So this is me. In the name of Jesus, I'm praying through the house. Out. Out you go. Out you go. In the name of Jesus, out you go. I don't allow him in my house. I don't allow any influence in my home. I watch what I bring in my house. I don't like gifts because gifts can have curses on them, remember? Be careful how you open that sliding door. Be careful what things are brought in your house. You could say, but pastor, you're acting like a fanatic. Oh, no, I can tell you all kinds of stories. Some, be a fanatic. 
All right, come on, honey. I'm glad my wife's over there telling me to be a fanatic. I will tell you, when you open up a door and you receive things, I will tell you, the Holy Spirit will tell you immediately, get rid of it. Don't harbor it. Don't hold on to it because someone gave it to you. Let me tell you something. Satan hates you. If we're going to walk in holiness, if we're going to live in holiness, if we're going to be in the wilderness and we're going to fast and we want the presence of the Holy Spirit, then we've got to walk in His holiness. We can't do that if we just keep bringing all of this influence, all of this witchcraft. Oh, but you have to understand, this is such a beautiful decor. Well, guess what? That's called a spirit wheel. You might think it's cute, but it's not. And this is where you stop allowing those influences in your life. That's when you stop allowing witchcraft to come into your life. That's when you say, greater is he that is in me than he that's in this world. That is when you say, the battle belongs to the Lord. That is when you say in Ephesians chapter 6, I'm going to put on the whole armor of God. And in the power of his might, I'm going to win this battle. I'm going to put on my breastplate of righteousness. And I'm not going to go into Ephesians chapter 6. But I will tell you this, that if you're not putting on the whole armor of God, then it says you can't stand against the ways, the wiles, and the schemes and scams of the devil. Now, I'll say this, and I'll start to wind down. We have two offensive weapons in the battle. One, the sword of the Lord, and two, prayer. These are two mighty weapons which allow us to pull down strongholds. Our warfare is against that which is opposed to the knowledge of God. And the revelation of God's word exposes these strongholds. We know what a stronghold is. We know what Satan does in our lives to get a hold of us. I always say a stronghold is this, somebody that's really holding on to you. It's like oppression. If you're oppressed by something, they're pushing on you. They're, it's... It's an uncomfortable place to be. So you've got to be careful. Our warfare is against that which is opposed to the knowledge of God. The revelation of God's word exposes these strongholds for the reason it is important to combine God's word, the sword, with prayer. To overcome the points of satanic attack. I'm going to ask you a question. Somebody made a comment this week and Megan shared it with us. Do you all think this is a fairy tale? Do you think we live it? Jesus isn't part of the fairy tale book. And demonic oppression and possession is not a part of the fairy tale book. And if we're going to find freedom, we have to find freedom from the serpent. We have to find freedom in our daily life and in our daily walk. The revelation of God's word exposes these strongholds. For that reason, it is important to combine God's word, the sword, with prayer to overcome the points of satanic attack. Do you all want me to continue? Would you like to hear some real good information? All right. Is that an amen? amen. Hallelujah. Are we having lunch here today? Amen. Glory. All right. We're going to go ahead and go for it. 
There's two different types of vipers. Listen to this. There's two different types of serpents in life. And many of you know what a snake does, right? We know that in the scriptures, we can go all the way back to Genesis, where he says that Satan ended up becoming a serpent, becoming a viper. Now, let me show you something. Here's what happens. The viper comes after you. And when a viper strikes, he does what? He strikes your skin. But what's he going after? He's going after your blood. He's going after your blood line. You see, this just isn't a typical war. This is an inherited war. It came from your granddad. It came from your grandma. It came from those who couldn't or didn't defeat the family secrets. You see, when people say, what happens here stays here, oh no, don't you hold on to those family secrets. They don't keep you safe. They keep you sick. They don't keep you safe. They keep you a criminal. They don't keep you safe. They keep you in captivity. Let me show you. There's the bloodline of David. David had an affair with who? With? Because there was a lust issue. Then what happened? So after that, David, then in his bloodline comes Solomon. And Solomon has 700 wives and 300 chicks. I'm, I'm sorry, 300 concubines. Because lust got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Now watch the shift here. Now say this with, with me. Watch the shift. Because you're going to love this. Now, if you look in the genealogy of Jesus Christ, you'll see in Matthew that the bloodline starts to shift. And so Rahab, you like this, Rahab in the genealogy of who? Of Jesus and of the line of David. She does what? She puts a stop to it. And when she puts a stop to it, it stopped the bloodline. So it shifted. The bloodline shifted. And it shifted to Jesus Christ, who then became the ultimate sin for all of us, the ultimate sin for our iniquities. Amen? Now watch. What each and every one of us should say is, if it runs into family, it runs into me. And if it runs into my family, it's running into me. I'm going to quit complaining. I'm going to quit doing things. Because you know what I'm going to do? Every time he comes after me, I'm going to have a little bloodline shift. And I'm going to say this. Get behind me, Satan. For today, I'm worshiping him. For today, I'm praising him. For today, I'm praying. For today, I'm giving. For today, I'm loving. For today, I'm stopping it. Now, also watch. Then there's the second one. Not only is it a viper who goes after your bloodline, because Satan is a deceiver. He's a deceiver of all things. The second one is a python. Do you know what a python does? It kills by a stronghold. See, once it gets a hold of you, 
it slowly wraps itself around you until you can't breathe. It restricts you. It constricts you to the point when you go to take a breath, it squeezes tighter. Interesting, isn't it? That's exactly what the serpent wants. That's exactly what the enemy wants. That's exactly what Satan wants. He wants to destroy you and take the very life out of you. But, I love this part. When Jesus created man and woman, it said he did what? He breathed life into us. Jesus breathed life into us. Yet Satan wants to take the very breath of life out of us. Do you identify who your enemy is? Do you identify who the serpent is? Maybe for some of you, you could say, but pastor, I'm an introvert. No, I think you're into hurt, not an introvert. I think you have to be careful how you say it. And when Satan tries to hurt you, you have to remember that Jesus crushed the head of that serpent. And there was freedom and victory. He defeated sin and he defeated it on the cross. So let me say this. And I'm going to close. You can be the one to stand against the forces of darkness and to break those strongholds that are keeping you and your family in bondage. The scripture says the curse does not come without a cost. The curse does not come without a cost. That means when we are dealing with issues such as addictions, bad habits, and dysfunctions, either we've made bad choices or somebody in our family line has made some very bad choices. There's a reason why a child grows up to become an alcoholic. There's a reason a child becomes an abusive parent There's a reason a young man commits crimes until he is sent off to prison. And when he is released, he goes right back to the life of crime. Certainly, societal issues may have an impact, but these things don't randomly happen in the spirit or in the spirit realm. Somebody, somewhere, opened the door to the enemy. So say this with me. Enough is enough. enough. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. So as for me and my family, as for me and my house, we are serving the Lord. We're choosing the blessing and not the curse. And here's what it says in James chapter 5 verse 16. It says, confess your faults one to another. And pray for one another that you may be healed, that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Identify it. Don't ignore it. Don't try to sweep it under the rug and hope it will go away because, church, it will not go away. I was reading on pythons. Just going to throw this in there. How do you get that snake off of you? It was interesting. Take and run the head of it underwater. And I thought to myself, okay, that's interesting. 
I'm getting strangled by this thing and I'm going to try to find my water. In the meanwhile, I can't even move. But I thought it was interesting. He says, break the tail of a python. When you get a hold of its tail and you can break it, you know, and I thought to myself, how cool is that? If we can just break, break the will, break Satan and his enemies from really trying to get that stronghold and that, that tight uh, feeling within our life where it just takes every bit of our breath. And I'm thankful that I have Jesus Christ who is the breath of life. So let's all stand to our feet. And as we have this altar call and as the praise team comes, I want you to declare. I want you to, to have a declaration that Jesus is over everything in your life. And to put a stop to any of the negative patterns in your family's bloodline. It may have been there for years, but you can be the one to make a difference. Remember, this just isn't a physical battle. This is a spiritual battle. You must take authority over all the strongholds that are keeping you in bondage. And one of the very first things that you must do is recognize it. Do you hear me, church? Recognize it. Identify it. Get it out in the open and deal with it. God gives grace to the humble and he resists the proud. As you do, you will see God's blessings and favor in your life. And then... You will pass down those good things to the generations to follow, to follow, to follow. Isn't that a great thought? Today, I believe that the Holy Spirit has brought to mind something in your past. I want you to do something. Today, you're going to write down this date. Today, you're going to put it in your Bible. Today, I want you, if you want to grab a pen, listen, we're going to do this because you're going to be set free. You're right in your Bible. I am free because today I broke the curse. I stopped the bloodline, the generational curses that were put on my family from those before me. I'm putting a stop to it. And you know who they are. So then you do this. I'm going to pray for somebody and this one and this one and this one and this one and, this one and that one. And then you'll just, you know, that's what I did years ago. I learned this when I was 15 years old. And what freedom I received by knowing how to pray and how to find victory. Do you know Satan wants your marriage? He wants your children. You know what? I was down here and he was trying to distract me because I'm starting to worry. And I said, oh, no, don't you worry about tomorrow for tomorrow. So worry about it. You don't worry about Caitlin. He is in the she's in the best place. She's in the palm of my hand. She is loved. And so if you're dealing with something, listen, put down your pride. When was the last time you came to an altar? When was the last time you said, God, here it is. I give it to you. When was the last time you sat down in your seat and said, it doesn't matter who's, who's around me? Listen, if you're not going to pray here, you might not be praying in your kitchen. You might not be praying in your bedroom. So I want you to do this. I want you to find a place to pray. I want you to stop this. I want a church that's free. Do you know this week somebody tried to put a curse on me? So I had to block them. No, when you text me something bad, I have a choice to receive it or reject it. So then I said this, get behind me, Satan. Block. No more. No, no. You're not going to do that to me. We have freedom in Jesus. Do I hear an amen?
Let's pray. Father God, we love you and we thank you, God, that you are who you are, that you are the God of the universe. Father, we thank you that you sent your son Jesus to give us freedom, that he went to the cross. And Lord, we need to come to the cross. We need to come to where Jesus shed his blood for us. Help us to be delivered. Lord, today we declare Jesus over our families. Father, we stop what others will say, do, what they might have done. Father, for some in the room, there might be adoptions in this room. They don't even know who their their father, their mother, their grandparents are. But Lord, right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, we bind that. We give them victory. It doesn't matter because we know that you are the God. You're the father to the fatherless, and we can come before you. We can come to you, and you will look out for us. God, we love you. Thank you so much for, Lord, giving us the tools to live in victory, to live a free, victorious life. Lord, we open up our heart, and as we sing this song, may everything we breathe, may the very breath that has come from the beginning of time all the way back to Adam and Eve, when you breathe life into us, may Satan, may the enemy never take one more breath from us. Father, we want to run the Christ-like, victorious life. And we ask all this in the name of Jesus. Now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if in this room today you feel like there are ancestral generational uh, curses or sins in your life, just show me by raising hand so I can pray for you. Amen, 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 all over the place. Amen. Today, you have victory. Today, you stop it. Today you claim it and say, Lord, today I am stopping it and I am claiming authority over my family, my husband, my wife, my children. And today there's victory. And I claim that in the name of Jesus. And God's people said...